0: The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here. And uh, yesterday was a first for me. I got to do a wedding in Cedar Falls. Uh, It was just outside of town, and the wedding time was coinciding with the crest of the Cedar River in the flood stage there. And so it was at a golf course, and the high river... Uh, caused all the main ways to get to the uh, country club to be shut down so but at the back of the course There's a cart path that leads to a residential area so we could all park there So all the guests parked in that area and they had a fleet of six passenger golf carts that were just constantly Shuttling people to and I actually got to drive about you know six or eight of those round trips so i would never gotten to do that at the start of a wedding. It was a lot of fun actually and the wedding went great so um, but I realize there's a lot of people in our area that aren't laughing this morning. This is not fun. There are many of us that are acquainted with what it's like to have a river crest and, and flood. And so I want to open up and just pray for our area and the people that are going through that. And I'm going to pray for our country too. There's just been some heavy things happening nationally too. So if you could just join me, let's pray for those two things and then we'll start uh, in our message today. So um, yeah, Father, first we Thank you, what a privilege it is to call you our God and our Father, and that we can take things that are concerning to us and just bring them up to you, and you love to hear our cries for help. And so we do cry out for so many in our state and in our area that are just battling the floods today and moving out and being displaced and just the hardship that can be. And so I just pray, as we've seen many times in the past, that your people would really rise up on these occasions and serve and help and just come alongside uh, so many in our area that are hurting. So would you use this time, God, to point many people to Jesus as that happens? And just thinking of our country too, our spotlight was taken to Tulsa and to Charlotte this week. Father, would you please, there's just many things to pray for. We know in the heart of all of us, there are prejudices, there are hatreds, uh, there are many just ugly things in the way that we think about each other. So I pray that, that those things would be dealt with, that we would just see our country truly come together and not be divided. God, I pray and thank you for there are many in our midst, uh, people who serve our country by defending laws and upholding laws and protecting us. So we pray for a greater respect, God, for our law enforcement community. And we pray for just integrity as events are explained and described, whether they be by politicians or media, just would all this be done in a way that just truly glorifies you? And in the midst of all of this, God, would you help your people live as Jesus would live? I pray that we would love all, that we would be known for uh, our generosity, that we would, you would use your people, God, to unite this country. And so in these hard times, uh, we realize, Jesus, that you are... Our only hope. And so there's an election coming up. We pray for that. We pray for your will to be done. We pray for your people to be involved. Uh, but bottom line, Jesus, would you uh, be the one that this country realizes that we need? You are the Prince of Peace. And today as we talk about your spirit, God, may your spirit work in fresh ways throughout this country through your people uh, to point this country to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So we lay these before you. and Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you hear us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so today we're uh, in this series called We Believe. Today it's the Holy Spirit is who we're going to talk about. And a couple summers ago we did a West, uh, kind of a, we went West with the family on a vacation and we did one day in Yellowstone. So I kind of feel like we're doing that today. This is a topic we could spend a long time on, but we're going to kind of do a fly-through of the Holy Spirit Uh, The Spirit of God is mentioned 800 times in the Bible. The Old Testament word and the New Testament word used for the Spirit of God literally meant like a breath or um, like a wind. So um, but we'll look at what it means to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I want to avoid two ditches today. It seems like sometimes when Christians in our country talk about the Holy Spirit, there's two extremes we want to avoid. Uh, there are some traditions where I feel like, and I think the Holy Spirit would even say that too much attention is being drawn to the Holy Spirit and and perhaps looking to the Holy Spirit to do things that he 's not really there to do, almost like he 's a, a name it, claim it, like rub the magic lamp, and the genie comes out and does whatever you want him to do and so some people tend to say, um, "I want that car, so Holy Spirit, give me the car, Holy Spirit, I want to be healed, help me be healed." And so what's, what's in contrast to that is that the, the people in the New Testament that first received the Holy Spirit, and as we watch them in the book of Acts, none of them got rich, none of them got fat chariots or cars or whatever. And most of them suffered and died for the life they lived. But they lived such an amazing and powerful and astonishing life that it was so clear the Holy Spirit did that. Okay, so that's one ditch. The other ditch we could go into is to just ignore the Holy Spirit like I won't ask you to raise a hand, but I wonder how many of us actually thought about the Holy Spirit this week, or, or how many of us didn't. And so like there's two ditches there. I want to make sure that we just follow what the scripture says, and that we, we treat and live by the Holy Spirit the way that God would have us do that. So there's many different places in the Bible we could have looked, We're gonna start in John chapter 14. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. This is a great morning to follow the outline in your bulletin, this will help you as we fly through Yellowstone in a day, okay? So um, John 14 is uh, part of a long section where Jesus was teaching his disciples just shortly before his arrest Uh, and his crucifixion, and his resurrection. So from John 13 to 17, Jesus is gathering his disciples together, and he's letting them know what is most important for them to know, to be able to carry on when he leaves. And where we're going to start reading is where Jesus has just started talking about that subject, that he's going to leave them. And so we're going to see that a couple different times he circles back on that because he can tell they're afraid or they're sad and they don't understand what it means that he has to go away. And so let's look at one of those, John 14, verse 12. Uh, And let me say this too. Today is not a history lesson. It's not what did the Holy Spirit do then. And this is not just a theology lesson. Like let's put in our heads some facts about the Holy Spirit. I want us to think right about the Holy Spirit so that we can live by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Whoever it is in this room that is understanding and living by the Holy Spirit the most is just scratching the surface, okay? There's so much, we all could be doing so much more uh, than, than we actually are. So I, w- I want this to impact how we're living now, okay? So here we are, John 14, verse 12. Uh, Jesus says this, truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and listen to this and greater works than these he will do because i'm going to the father whatever you ask in my name this i will do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask me anything in my name i will do it if you love me you will keep my commandments and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Those last three verses in particular have a lot of truths about the Holy Spirit. I want to just unpack a couple of them here for you. You can ask, who is the Holy Spirit? First, we need to see that the Holy Spirit is a person, Uh, he's not an it. He's not like the force in Star Wars. You know, it's not like that. He is a person. Uh, Jesus intentionally used personal pronouns. There were other ways he could have referred to the Holy Spirit, but he he called him, he used a personal pronoun. You see throughout the new Testament, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Um, The Holy Spirit communicates the Holy Spirit leads us. So the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, It's important for us to know that the Holy Spirit is God. Okay. In this text, Uh, there's a signal, there's a key uh, clue that we can dial in on. Jesus said this, I'm going to send another helper. There were two words Jesus could have used for another, and he chose the one that means another just like uh, the other one. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you a helper who is just like me. In fact, at the end of the passage we read, Jesus said, uh, he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus was saying, as the Spirit comes to you, it's as if I'm coming to you. He is fully God. And, and you see that in other places too, like in the Great Commission, when Jesus said, baptize, I want you to baptize people in the name, singular name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So clearly throughout the New Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit is, is fully God, okay? And it's especially interesting to me that Jesus said to them, you know the Holy Spirit because he dwells with you. I wonder if they didn't scratch their heads a little bit and go, what do you mean the Holy Spirit dwells with you? But if you, this would be an interesting sermon study on your own. Look at the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, When Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, he was, uh, the Bible tells us that Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Throughout his life, Jesus said that he did miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that he was led and directed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus would say throughout his ministry that the Holy Spirit was leading him. And so I think what Jesus is saying is, you guys may not be aware of this, but the Holy Spirit has been with us this whole time. The whole time you've been with me, you've been around the Holy Spirit. But now there's a day coming where you just won't be around the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will be in you. And so that's an absolutely profound concept. I think even even way back in the Old Testament times, when God would be present with his people, like when Moses was leading God's people through the wilderness and they'd be led by by the cloud and the presence of God, uh, there was an awe about that. There was an, an astonishment about that. Who are we that we are the people that God chooses to be with? Or when they would worship and God would come The presence of God would be in the Holy of Holies, like just such an honor to be able to have access and to worship God in that way. Now, Jesus has taken that to a whole nother level. It's not just that that you will be in the presence of God or that God will be with you, but now God through the Holy Spirit will be in you. And I I want you to pause on that. There's some of these truths that we just take for granted then she go, yeah, the Holy Spirit lives in me, and the Holy Spirit's God. Check. Let's move on. Like, just stop on that for a second. Like, how valuable are you? How important are you to God that of all the places He could have His Spirit fully God live within? It's not rocks or trees. It's not, certainly not cats. uh, It's not dogs. But like, out of all of His creation, He has chosen you to be the one. The, The New Testament calls us temples of the Holy Spirit, that God's spirit comes and resides in you. I mean, next week we're gonna talk about what it means to be created in the image of God and the value we have as people. We ought to just pause here and go, how incredibly valued we are by God, that he wants his spirit to live within us, all right? So the Holy Spirit is God, he's a person. And one other thing to know is that he's distinct. Uh, Jeff talked about the Trinity last week. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're each equally God, but each distinct uh, in in their personhood and in the roles that they play. And uh, if you look at the role of the Holy Spirit, he's often called a helper. And it's a pretty rich word that's used from the Greek language, paraclete. It means helper, it means comforter, it means a defender or an advocate. Sometimes it was used in legal contexts where um, someone would defend somebody. And so you see those roles, we're going to talk about those as we go on, roles that the Holy Spirit plays. But if I could summarize, what bottom line, what does the Holy Spirit do? Um, there's a theologian named J.I. Packer that summarized it like this, that the Holy Spirit is like a spotlight, and his role is to shine that spotlight on Jesus Christ. It might be one reason why we can fall in this ditch that I talked about earlier, that we don't we don't think about the Holy Spirit a whole lot is that his role is to make us think about Jesus a whole lot. He, he brings to mind the things that Jesus taught us. He, he wants us to see Jesus and be more like Jesus. So I like that analogy that he's a spotlight that shines on Jesus. When you see a spotlight, you don't go, oh man, that's a cool spotlight. Like your eyes are drawn to what that spotlight is on. And so the Holy Spirit's uh, role within the Trinity is to, is to glorify Jesus. Okay, so we'll talk more in about that. So let me show you one verse now. We're going to jump to John 16. And again, it's the same conversation that Jesus is having with his team right before his arrest and crucifixion. But he brings up the Holy Spirit again. And again, he he senses again that they're sad that that he's leaving them. And, And he makes this statement to him. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Did you just hear what Jesus said? He just said, it's going to be better for you to have the Holy Spirit in you than it is to have me with you. This is another one of those, like, you know, hit my head and try to understand this one, because I would love to have Jesus with me. Could you imagine? This week, Jesus is going to hang out with you. So you go tailgating next week at at homecoming, and Jesus is with you. Everybody goes, oh, who's your friend? Oh, this is Jesus. You know, like, name dropping. Here we go. This is my friend, Jesus. Or, you know, the pictures you could take and post on Facebook, the selfies as you walk across the res. You know, like, here's me, Jesus, walking on the res. Or you take Jesus golfing, right? What'd you get, Jesus? One. Hell yeah. Yeah, one. Again, put me down for a one. Okay. Yeah, we got, you know, you're golfing with them. Maybe, like, the the manager at Red Red Lobster would love you, because it wouldn't just be endless shrimp night. It could be endless, like, fish and bread night too. Just bring Jesus and he's just feeding everybody, right? So you could have fun with that. Jesus, my knee hurts. Oh good, thanks. You know, there we go. Like I think it would be amazing to have Jesus with me. Or Jesus, could we have a quiet time together? Jesus, could we pray together? Like that would be astonishing. And yet Jesus said, no, it is better for you. It's to your advantage that I go so that my spirit could come and be in you. Again, don't you think that we just completely don't understand how amazing it is to have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. So what does the Holy Spirit do? I, I think you know, Jesus has our attention now. What, what, what does he do? Let me read a couple verses from John 16 again. Jesus said this, When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you." So a couple things we see here as we even look at that passage or throughout the New Testament. There's some things the Holy Spirit does in our salvation, in our sanctification. That means how we grow to be more like Jesus. And then as we serve Jesus, some key roles in those three things. So in our salvation, first of all, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So whenever it was, um, if you are a Christian, if you realize that you're a sinner and that you needed a Savior, it was the Holy Spirit is the one who revealed that to you, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. So he convicts of sin. Uh, The second thing is that he regenerates us. Titus 3.5 talks about us being regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And so think about this. um, When you trust in Christ um, and your sins are forgiven, what, what God does instantly then is he sends his Holy Spirit to come into your life. And the Holy Spirit begins to bring life into your life. The Bible says before you trust Christ as your savior, you're like a zombie. You're like alive physically, but you're spiritually dead. So on the outside, people see you, but there's a spiritual deadness in you. There's no spiritual life because of our sin. But once we trust Christ and our sins are forgiven, the Holy Spirit comes in us. And remember, he's like a breath, or like in Genesis, in the creation account, it says that the, the Spirit of God breathed into and brought life uh, to Adam, to the first man. It's the same thing that happens spiritually, that the Holy Spirit regenerates us and, and causes us uh, to have a spiritual life and then for that spiritual life to grow. Okay, so that's a crucial role of the Holy Spirit. And then I love this role too, is that his role in our salvation is that he secures us. Okay, well, there's a couple times where he's called uh, the seal, that he's the seal of our redemption, that we have truly trusted Christ, that we truly belong to God. So back in biblical times, a ruler would have a seal that he would put on things that were his. Maybe a chariot would have the seal of the emperor. And so in a similar way, the Holy Spirit is, is our seal that we belong to God. That the, the instant you trust in Christ, you are sealed and secured by the Holy Spirit. And I love this, that one of his roles, remember one of the definitions of the paraclete or the helper, is that he's a defender. He's like a defense attorney. That when the lies of the enemy come at you and say you're not good enough to be a Christian, or there's no way God could have forgiven you because of what you've done, the Holy Spirit is there to defend you and to remind you of your identity in Christ. I want to just spotlight two verses that, that highlight that role. In Romans 5.5, 5, it says that the Holy Spirit is in us to pour God's love into our hearts. Love that. Like not just drip it or mist it or, or sprinkle it but to just pour the love of God into your heart. Do you think God knows uh, our desperate need to be assured of His love? He is so committed to you knowing that He loves you that He has put His Spirit into your heart to just constantly pour His love into your heart that you, you without a doubt can know that you are loved by God. That's, that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit It's to secure you in your relationship uh, with God. There's another one I think that even brings that to light even more. It's in Romans chapter eight. In fact, if I didn't choose John 14 or 16 as our hub of verses for the Holy Spirit, I probably would have chosen Romans eight, another great chapter loaded with truths about the Holy Spirit. But Romans 8:14 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Do you recognize that phrase? That was the phrase that Jesus used when He prayed in the Lord's Prayer, when He taught us how to pray. Abba was that word that a kid would use, a little kid would use, when he sees his daddy. That's, that's the intimacy that the Holy Spirit reminds us that we have with our Father, that we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Let's just, let's just pause on that again. Do you realize that through Christ, your identity is that you are a son or you are a daughter of God? and not like, not like a son or daughter that he just kind of tolerates like, oh yeah, that, that one's part of my family too. No, he's got you right in there as a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. Like the Father's love for Jesus is the same love that he has for you. Uh, as Jesus taught us that in John fifteen nine. I As the Father has loved me, now I'm loving you. So the love you experience from Jesus is the same thing as the love of God the Father for God the Son. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be so grounded in that. I think. He realizes the shots we're going to take from the enemy or the shots that we can give ourselves that, that I haven't been good enough this week or I haven't measured up or there's no way God could, could love me as much this week as he, as he did a couple months ago when I was doing better with him. There's a constancy to the love of God. There's a security to your salvation that God wants you to know. And that's, that's the, one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit is to secure you in your relationship with God. We were, we were talking about this at Fight Club on Tuesday. We're talking about our identity as men. And the guy I was, one of the guys I was praying with that morning is like, why don't we get this? Like, why, how differently would we live this week if we were convinced that we were loved by God? That what, how would, as we were talking, what, would, what kind of husband would we be if we realized our security and the love of God? What kind of dad would we be? What kind of worker, what kind of friend Would we be if we were just convinced and grounded in our identity of being loved by God? But that's a that's a role of the Holy Spirit. and I wonder if we just fly through our weeks so fast that we don't listen, that we don't allow the Holy Spirit to cry out to our spirit and remind us of our identity. But but just know he's there. And this is something God profoundly wants us to know, that we are are loved as sons and daughters. All right. So that's a key role he plays in our salvation. Uh, there's a key role the Holy Spirit plays in our sanctification. Again, that's a big word that basically means that you are being set apart, that you are living differently, that you are living more and more like Christ, okay? So the Holy Spirit helps us fight sin. Okay, if you think right now, what are the two or three, they're called besetting sins or things that you just are constantly battling in your life. I want you to know in a fresh way this morning, the Holy Spirit has been given to you to help you fight that sin. Romans 8, 11 to 13 talks about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. And that power is there to help us defeat and kill sin in our lives. And so uh, again, as you identify these sins, as you address those sins with prayer and scripture, how comforting to know that the Holy Spirit and his power is there to help you fight that sin. So he helps us fight sin. Um, he produces fruit in our lives. So not just helping us kill what's bad, but he begins to produce what's good in our lives. So Galatians 5:16, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit. That means to depend on the Spirit, rely on the Spirit, okay? Uh, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want us to notice that that word fruit is a singular word, that this is a package deal, that when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, we see all those things. Like we can't just look at that list and go, well, yeah, I'm doing pretty good on gentleness, but I really stink at uh, joy this week. Like it's, a, well, that's not the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit's gonna take us where we are now in those things, but just grow us in all those ways become more and more like, like Christ. So he produces fruit in our lives. And then here's one more, one more way he helps us grow is that he helps us communicate with God. I love this, that that God is so committed to us being able to talk to him and hear from him, that he's given us the Holy Spirit. One way the Holy Spirit helps us is in our prayer lives, Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's a couple things I want to mention from that. You have times in your life where you are so grieved, you are so sad, you are so frustrated, you are just speechless, you don't know what to say, that all you can do in the presence of God is, oh no, like what, you know, not again, or just you don't know what to say. How awesome is it that the Spirit of God is in you and knows you and loves you and is able to communicate exactly what's on your heart to god the father like we never have to feel like our prayers are hitting a ceiling because the holy spirit's there to translate even even if all we can do is groan can translate that to the father i also like how that says that um we do not know what to pray for as we ought i think there's times in our prayer lives, if we were to look at all the prayers we've ever prayed, I think if we looked back, we might see some that we'd look at today and go, oh, that that might have been a little selfish, like that might have been a little greedy there, that might have been a little, and so how cool is it that the Holy Spirit can take even a prayer that maybe wasn't what we ought to have prayed there, but to just kind of translate that to the Father to you. Okay, Father, you He's asked for this, but I think what he really needs is this because I'm in here and I'm trying to regenerate this guy and I'm producing fruit in his life. So we heard what he asked for. Let's give him what he needs instead. So how cool is that? Like just to maybe uh, unhinder us in our prayer lives and not be so worried about having the exact words or are my motives right here or not? I don't know. Just go ahead and talk to your father. And the Holy Spirit is there to, to, I don't know, clean that up and translate it and make it, and, and make it effective in your communication with the Father. I love that. And then the Holy Spirit is very key in our ability to hear from God through the Bible. Uh, we'll talk about this in two weeks, that um, is what we believe about the Bible, is that the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of this book. The reason we can say this is the Word of God is because the Holy Spirit inspired the human author. The Bible also teaches us that when we open up the Bible to learn from it, the Holy Spirit helps us understand the Bible, helps us see what God is trying to say to us. And so um, God desperately wants us to be able to talk to Him and then hear from Him through His Word. Some of you may have heard this, but a couple years ago when one of my daughters was just beginning to drive and, and get her bearings about Iowa City, it's interesting how a kid doesn't know any directions even though they've ridden with you to these places for years they just don't pay attention until they're the one behind the wheel right and so one of my kids was over at this spot it was an afternoon and it was one of those days where just a massive like green and black cloud was coming across we had people pulling off the interstate to come and just kind of hang out in parkview and so the storm was hitting And she's trying to navigate her way across town. And so we're on the phone with each other. And I'm trying to gauge like, okay, are trees blowing down? Are are cars whipping past you? Do you need to just go get in a building? And so I'm trying to ask about how the weather is and at the same time give her directions and by landmarks because she couldn't really see the road or signs. But as a dad, how comforting it was to be able to talk to her and guide her and direct her versus like, oh, by the way, she's driving from the spot. Hope she can make it like just how how awesome it was. And so again, you see the heart of your father for you that he doesn't wanna just leave communication up for, you know, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but he's given his spirit to you to make sure that he can hear from you and that you can hear from him. And again, it just shows his love for you and how how valuable you are to him. So the Holy Spirit helps us with our salvation, with our sanctification. And I'm just gonna say a quick one here. He helps us as we serve God The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives every believer in Jesus Christ a gift. You have a spiritual gift that is a special empowerment from the Holy Spirit through which you can help other Christians, and you can help people see and follow God follow Jesus more clearly. You can help encourage people. You can build up a church and encourage other people around you through a gift that God has given you through His Holy Spirit. And that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to be what, what kicks that gift into gear. It's not going to be you and your abilities. Bottom line, it's going to be the Spirit of God moving through you and doing great things through you. My, my hope is that there was a great question that one of my seminary professors challenged us with. He said, you know, every week, you ought to be able to look back at your week and say, did anything happen this week that could only be explained by the fact that the supernatural Spirit of God lives within me? You know, maybe it was something you said or something you didn't say. Um, it was something you did that you were prompted to do that you wouldn't have thought to do. But, but what a great, I guess, like a gut check question to ask ourselves is that: Are we truly being led by the Spirit of God? And when when we are, we will see again His power and not ours. We'll see things that we normally would not have done or said or thought because of the Spirit involved in our lives. So couple more things here. This question seems obvious. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Um, so there's, there's a time in Acts, and so reset, when Jesus was with his followers at that meeting we talked about in John 13 through 17. Uh, right after that meeting, he was arrested, crucified. He was killed on the cross. He rose again from the dead. Then he spent 40 days with his followers. One of the last things he said to them before he ascended into heaven is in Acts 1.4. This says, while staying with them, listen to, the t- listen to the tone here. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So he's saying, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. So he's just spent 40 days with them. He's about ready to go to heaven. I don't know if they're like a football team that just had their pep talk and they're ready to bust out of the locker room and play a game. And Jesus is saying, I command you, don't leave this locker room. I command you, don't leave Jerusalem until the holy spirit comes don't don't you dare go try to do this ministry for me in your own ability and your own power you must wait for the holy spirit and i wonder how many of us just go blasting into our week and try to be the dad try to be the mom try to be the friend try to be the spouse you know that that we want to be but we just run out without waiting for the holy spirit without relying on depending on the holy spirit so uh, Acts 1.8. This is why Jesus wanted them to wait. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so there's, there's, there's a power. Jesus said, if you, if you go running out of here now, it is not going to work. But if you wait, Holy Spirit empowers you, you watch what he's going to do through you. And so there's, there's a couple things here we just need to clarify. The Holy Spirit is there to give us power, but it's not to do our agenda. It's, the Holy Spirit has an agenda and it's like the most supreme agenda there can be is to help us see who Jesus is and to help us follow Jesus and become more like him. That's the most... Uh, significant agenda there could ever be. So it's not like the Holy Spirit's going to go, well, I'm here to make you, I'm here to glorify Jesus, but I, Doug, I'd never heard about your agenda. Oh, that's great. Let me trade that agenda for yours, Doug. Let me give you power to do what you're going to do. Please do not <laughs> claim the Holy Spirit's power for your agenda. He's got an amazing agenda. And so um, and so, wait, Jesus said, just wait. If you want to be a father who's going to clearly point his kids to Jesus, you wait for the Holy Spirit. If you want to be that kind of mom, if you want your marriage to be that kind of marriage, you need the Holy Spirit. So why, why do we need him? We need the power so that we can be effective witnesses of Jesus Christ, all right? And so if you look at the book of Acts, then you see what it looks like when the Holy Spirit fills and empowers a group of people. Sometimes the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. I think it really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because these people at best were described as average, uneducated, and ordinary. And what God did through them was truly spectacular. And and was not ordinary. Acts chapter two, for example, a fisherman named Peter gives his first sermon and 3000 people start following Jesus. You look at Acts 2, and these 3,000 people all come together, and they begin devoting themselves to each other, and to prayer, and that God continually adds to their number. That is supernatural because of the Holy Spirit at work. And then in Acts 4, when they face their first persecution, when they are are suffering together, um, they, they start praying, And it's the spirit of god that fills them in a fresh way let's just read what happens it says when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken they were all filled with the holy spirit and they continued to speak the word of god with boldness now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and not one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was among them all. You see evidences of the Holy Spirit at work. You see a unity among them. You see a generosity among them. And you see a boldness and a courage among them that you don't normally see. This is an evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. So how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? How, how can we have this happen. Again, so this isn't history or back then or just theology and facts, but how do we make this happen? How can I be filled with the Spirit? Okay, let's let's read one more passage here. Ephesians 5 verse 18. It says, do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. That means it's a waste, okay? But be filled with the Spirit. Maybe it's been in your past, or maybe you've been around people who lose control because of alcohol. And so the things that alcohol leads them to do are things they normally wouldn't do. They wouldn't say the things they say. They wouldn't. I just remember my years in the dorm at Iowa. I just saw people. It's like, there is no way you planned on spending the night cradling that toilet. Like that is not what you plan to do. That alcohol led you to sleep there in your own vomit, right? So that alcohol leads you that direction. The same way, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are led to do things that you just don't normally do And in the words that you say and the, the kindness that you show the fruits of the spirit that you show shows that you are being controlled by the holy spirit and so look at how that happens addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melodies to the lord with your heart and giving thanks always and for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ here's the punchline submitting to one another out of reverence for That I feel like the Holy Spirit is freed up to fill you and work in your life when you have a reverence for Jesus Christ. Because that's what he's here to do, is to, is to glorify Jesus, to put the spotlight on Jesus. So when we have an awe of how awesome Jesus is, of how awesome the work he wants to do in our life is, as we move toward Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us to help us become more like Jesus and to put Jesus on display through our words and Our life so how do you how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit make sure that you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that Jesus is your Savior if Jesus has forgiven you of your sins if he's your Savior then the Holy Spirit is in you okay you're sealed and he's there just reminding you your love you're his son and in all those things but then as you continue to have an awe and a reverence for Jesus watch the Holy Spirit empower you to become more like Christ And to make Jesus known. So let me pray. Let me pray for us. Uh, Jesus, again, please, um, there was a lot of things thrown at us this morning. Would you please uh, help us grab onto one truth that you want us to know and to live about the Holy Spirit? Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the way he secures us. Thank you for the way that he helps us communicate with you, Father. And I thank you for the fruit and the work that he wants to do in our lives. So uh, I thank you, Jesus, for a church where I see your spirit alive in so many places. I see things being done that aren't natural and normal. And I thank you too that we're not there yet. There are so many things you'd love to do. So in these weeks and months ahead, Father, can we see your spirit in even greater ways to show, show himself in our lives and in this church. So thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.